say it like you mean it, church. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the word. It's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you for Word of Truth Family Church. And your word declares that upon the rock of your word, you will build this church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so, Father, we thank you that we have a strong church. We have a spiritual church. We have a loving church. We have a sensitive church to your spirit. And, Father, I step back so the Spirit of God can minister to your people. And I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives as a result of your word. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series called Faith for Change. Everybody say Faith for Change. Faith for Change. And the thought process behind this series we've been in over the last four to five weeks is to help you and I embrace change with a faith attitude and with faith action. Everybody say with a faith attitude and faith actions. Because here's the thing. Faith is, uh, faith is needed because change is inevitable. We are going to experience change whether we like it or not. And we might as well use the faith that God has given us to embrace this change and then take faith actions along with it. So what I'm going to do is for those of you who are coming or here for the very first or second time or if you're viewing us for the very first or second time, I am going to do a small review and catch everyone up to where we are and then we're going to jump into this morning's lesson. Now the foundation of, of our series that we're in includes three primary ways that change is going to come. First of all, change is, can happen to us. Everybody say to us. In other words, when we're talking about faith for change, we're talking about three ways in which change comes. The first one is change can happen to us. And this is when change comes from life or other people. And these changes that come from life or other people, we had no say-so in. These are changes that we could not control. They happen to us. Everybody say to us. Then the second way change can happen is that change can happen from us. Everybody say from us. And these are decisions or actions that we have made on our own. These are decisions that we decided to make that impact our lives, but at least those decisions and actions came from us. Everybody say from us. And then the third one is change can happen from God. Everybody say from God. And these are changes that God, we, I call these changes God-directed changes. And this is when God wants us to make a change or for us to make some changes 
that will ultimately better our lives. And we must remember that any change that is God-directed will always take our lives to new levels and to new blessings. How many would like to go to a new level? Let me see your hand. If you want to be on a new level or go to a new level online, just write new level, new level. So here's the thing. Today, as we close the series out, um, I'm going to do that with part two of last week's lesson. So last week's lesson was called Faith to return to God's house. And we subtitled that message, The Ark Has Parked. Everybody say, The Ark Has Parked. The Ark Has Parked. And in the second lesson that we're going to do today, it's designed to help us produce information. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some information. And hopefully that information will provide inspiration. Everybody say inspiration. And then as you get inspired, I'm hoping that it will cause motivation to come because until we do some things that we're not doing right now, we won't see some things that we don't see right now. Faith comes by hearing. It's released by the words of our mouth, but it's activated when we do the word. Amen. So why is something like this necessary? Why is teaching like this important? It's important because we've just come out of a worldwide pandemic and many of us may not know it but it has produced some pandemic thinking on our behalf look at your neighbor in the house and just say do you have pandemic thinking I said on last week the studies show that it takes about 21 days to develop a habit and if this is true then you and I have developed a habit watch this now of digitally attending church and not physically attending church. Think about this. We've been in the pandemic for about a year and a half, and so for a year and a half, we've been used to, or watch this now, we've created a new habit of watching church through the lens, streaming, whatever words you want to use. And so now we have to rethink ourselves when it comes to now attending church. And it's not something that we planned. It's something that happened to us. Everybody say, to us. Amen. And so uh, last week what we looked at was... Uh, some things that you and I are going to have to do to re-engage ourselves back into viewing, uh, from viewing into God's house physically. So, uh, look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready for the word today. Now, let me give a disclaimer. I did this last week. I'm going to do it again because I don't want anyone to feel condemnation, but I do want you to have a heart of conviction. There's a difference between the two. Condemnation is when the devil beats you up or you beat you up and feel bad about something that you're not doing. But conviction says, you know what, that's not something that I'm doing, but I feel it's something I need to do. And Lord, you know what, help me to do that. So one is one that you want to do and one feels like, you know, you, if you don't do it, you, you know, you big, bad, and you're ugly, right? So this is not condemnation. But there are some people that are watching us right now who have genuine health concerns and genuine health issues that won't allow them to physically attend church and I understand that 100% everybody say 100% and then there's some people who are viewing us and we have members now across the United States who cannot come and physically be in church because they live outside of the area uh, from where we are and that's understood 100% too everybody say 100% 
But there are those of us who do not have a medical or physical reason on which we should not be physically in church, and that's who I'm talking to today. So today I'm going to be pointing out some benefits and some advantages of corporate gatherings because if there's anything we should have learned in this pandemic is that we learn how to digitally worship individually. Now, the pandemic has created a mindset, a mindset shift. Everybody say a mindset shift. And this mindset shift that we've experienced is causing us now to rethink things. And so uh, here's the thing. Our heart is where we believe, but our mind is where we receive. And so the mind is the place that needs to be changed in order to get in line with our hearts and the Word of God. See, the heart is responsible for spiritual transformation. And your, listen, your mind is responsible for physical transformation. I'm going to say that again. Your heart is responsible for spiritual transformation. Say spiritual transformation. But your mind is responsible for physical transformation. In other words, you know, your body is going to follow your mind. So we looked at a familiar verse of Scripture found in Romans 12. We're going to jump in this. And uh, we looked at three different versions last week. I'm going to repeat them again, and then we're going to jump into the lesson today. Romans 12, 2 says this, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, watch this church, by the renewing of your mind. So my mind being renewed is what causes physical transformation in my life. I'm going to say that again. When your mind, when my mind is renewed, when our mind is renewed to think like God, then our minds being renewed will cause physical transformation in our life. And once transformation has taken place in our minds, listen, we'll be able to prove what's good, what's acceptable, and we will know the will of God for our lives. Say amen to that, church. The New Living Translation says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, everybody say, you got to let him. Let God transform you into a new person. How? Read it with me. By changing the way you think. And then I love the message translation, which puts the cherry on top that says this, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. So we looked last week at the life of Noah and his family so that we could see how a global natural disaster that they experienced can relate to what we have experienced in COVID-19. We discovered through our study that Noah and his family were in that ark 382 days. When we read the Bible, sometimes it seems like, oh, it was, it was three weeks or 42, you know, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. So we think that he was only there for that length of time. But no, Noah and his family were in that ark 382 days. And even though Noah uh, was not in a global pandemic, he was experiencing what I call a global natural disaster. And there are some things that relate that are the same for both of those things. In other words, what I'm saying is you look at a global pandemic and you look at a global natural disaster and there are things that happen in both of those that are similar. And so last week we pointed out six things that are similar. The first one was Noah experienced massive number of people who died. We saw that in a pandemic. 
He also experienced massive change that had to take place with him. I don't know what his occupation was before the flood, but he had to become a carpenter. He had to become a boat builder. He might have been a cook before the flood. I don't know. But I know the flood caused some change to take place in, his, in, his, in him. And then massive change took place with his family. Listen, I'm pretty sure that uh, Noah's son's wives had family that died in the flood. They probably had nephews and, 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 and nieces. Well, the family itself experienced massive change. Here's number five. Noah and his family had to experience a new norm. And that's what we're going through now. The country's opened back up. Now, the pandemic is under control now. And so we're having to now experience a new norm. And then here's the last thing, is that he, Noah and his family, watch this now, had to return to some healthy customs. So now we close our, our lesson on last week by pointing out what Noah did after coming out of the ark for that year and 17 days. So that's where we're going to start today. So let's go now to Genesis chapter 8. What we're going to look at now is what happened when that ark parked, that flood water dried up, what happened? Well, Genesis 8:14 says this, And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, the earth dried up. And then it says in verse 15, who spoke, church? Come on, church. Who? It says, and God spoke. Who did he speak to? He spoke to Noah, the head of the family. He says, Noah, verse 16, get out of the ark, you, your wife, and your sons, and your sons' wives with you. He says, now, Noah, watch this. This global disaster is over. I need you to get out of the ark. And I believe that's what God is doing with this message. He's saying, church, not just word of truth, but church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the pandemic is over. You can no longer just sit at home because, listen, it, the, the, the water's dried up. The ark is part. So then, now, there are four observations that I need you to pay attention to. Okay, here's number one. Here's the first observation. Notice that they didn't stay in the ark forever. And you can't stay at home forever. Let's look, read, look at uh, verse 20 to see the second observation. I'm reading now verse 20 out of the New King James Version. It said, then Noah, watch this, this is what happened after he came out of the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Observation number two, Noah had to re-engage in some activities that were normal to him before the flood. And trust me, they used to offer up sacrifices to the Lord. They used to take offerings to the Lord prior to the flood. And so Noah gets off the boat, and you know what he does? He re-engages into an activity that was a healthy custom. Here's observation number three. I want you to notice that the first thing that Noah did not do was start working. I mean, how many know that Noah was going to have to build him another house to live in? Right? How many know that he was going to have to replant some food to eat? But he didn't do that first. So the third observation is he didn't get off the boat and start working. But look at observation number four. The first thing, everybody say the first thing. The first thing he did when he got out of that ark is that he built an altar and he worshiped. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added. He got off that boat and instead of going to work, he went to worship. Someone say amen to that. And with that in mind, let's look at why you and I should return to attending church physically. So if you're taking notes, our first point is this. Physical worship must be reprioritized. Physical worship must be reprioritized. In other words, we need to make coming to church a habit. Why? Because Jesus had a habit of coming to church. Watch this now. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Jesus had a habit of going to worship at the synagogue regularly. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. This is right after he had did some prayer and some fasting. And then it says, And he went out, and a fame of him went through all the regions. Verse 15, watch this church. And he, Jesus, taught where? In the synagogues. What's another name for a synagogue in our words today? A church, a place of worship. He taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Watch verse 16. And he, Jesus, he came to Nazareth, his hometown, where he had been brought up. And watch what it says. As his custom was. When you look the word custom up, it means habit. So as his habit was, let's see what his habit was. He went into where, church? He went into the synagogue. He went into the church on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. Jesus had a habit of going to the synagogue. Well, let's look at another person that had a habit. Paul, who wrote over half of the New Testament, had a habit of going to church on a regular. Everybody say on a regular. Come on, look at your neighbor if you're in the house and say, are you regular? Now look at your other neighbor and say, look like you need some x lax though. <laughs> Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Watch this now. It says, now when they, let me give you the context. This was Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas was traveling together. And it says, and when they had passed through Amphibolus and Apollonia, they, Paul and Silas, came to Thessalonica where there was a what, church? Come on, if you're on, online, just say there was a synagogue. There was a church of Jews, a synagogue of Jews. And Paul, watch this now, same wording, as his manner was. In other words, he had a custom, watch this, he went in unto them and for three Sabbath days he reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. We can see that Paul had a habit of going to church because here for three Sabbaths he reasoned with them out of the scriptures. I mean, if Jesus had a habit of going to church and Paul had a habit of going to church, we need to develop a habit of going to church. Now ask me what I've discovered, ask me. You know what I've discovered? It's amazing to me that we can go to work Five days straight every week, but we can't come to church one time a week. Oh, help us, Jesus. I'm going to say it on this side. It's amazing that we can go to work five days a week and work eight to ten hours a day. And God says, come to my house just one time. 
just read the New Living Translation. Let me calm down. The New Living Translation of Acts chapter 17. Watch what it says in verse 1. Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia. And they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. And Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service. And for three Sabbaths in a row, oh my gosh, he went to church three Sundays in a row. When was the last time you went to church three Sundays in a row? I mean, listen, some of you all would have to go all the way back to when your mother took you to church. Come on, because they made you go to church, right? Even pre-pandemic, y'all didn't go to church three Sundays in a row. Paul went to church three Sabbaths in in a row. Watch this now. The Living Bible of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says this. Let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I ain't some. Now look at your other neighbor and say, but you look like some though. Listen to the message translation. This is really good. It says, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do. Church, guess what? Physical worship must be reprioritized. So here's the question. This is so good. Here's the question. Why is physical worship so important? Why should we come to God's house instead of staying at our house? Well, here's point number two. If you're taking notes, and you should have your notes that was with you uh, in the bulletin that they gave you this morning in the house. Here's point number two. Why should we come to God's house? Because there is meat to eat in God's house that feeds me, and then that meat leads me to my purpose. I'm going to say that again. There is meat to eat in God's house that leads me or feeds me, and then leads me to my purpose. Now, I'm not going to go through it, but Malachi chapter uh, 3, verse 10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and then he says, that there may be meat in my house. So when you and I give, it causes meat to come in God's house. But I want to show you something, because most people don't understand that coming to church physically helps you discover God's purpose for your life. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says this, because I want you to see that purpose for our lives will come and we will discover that as we physically come to the house. Romans 28, 28 says, and we know all things work together for good to them that love God and for those who are called according to his purpose, according to his what? Purpose. Everybody say God has a purpose. So he has a purpose for our lives. The question is, how do we discover it? Well, listen, when you look up the word purpose in the dictionary, The primary definition means the reason for which something exists. And that's a great definition. But when you look this word purpose up in the Bible, its main meaning means proposed intention. In other words, Romans 8 would read like this. 
And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his proposed intention. In other words, God has an intention for your life. He has a proposed intention. How do we discover that? Well, one of the major ways of discovering and fulfilling God's purpose for your life is through physically attending his house. You say, well, pastor, get, connect the dots for me. Well, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 when, that we read that word purpose, the Greek word for it is the word prothesis. Everybody say prothesis. This word prothesis, you have to understand the Bible was written in Greek, in Hebrew, and in some cases Aramaic. Well, the Greek word for this word uh, purpose is the word prothesis. And this word prothesis is used several times in the Bible, but it's not just used as the English word purpose. It's also used for different words. And another word that this word prothesis or purpose is, it shows up as the English word showbread in the Bible. Now go to Matthew chapter 12 verse 1. Matthew 12 1. I want to show you this word prothesis, this word purpose, or this word showbread in the Bible. Matthew 12 verse 1. It says, and that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his disciples and him were hungry. And they began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. Watch verse 2. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Behold, your disciples do that which is not lawful on the Sabbath. Watch verse 3. Jesus said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he got hungry and those that were with him hungry? Verse 4 says, They entered into where, church? Where did they go? When David and his men got hungry, where did they go? They went to the house of God and watch what happened when they got in there. The Bible says they did eat showbread. That word showbread is the same word purpose in Romans 8.28. So listen, you and I, when we come into the house, where did David and his men go? They went where? To the house. Not your house. Not mama's house. I know somebody viewing in the car right now. Not in your car. The Bible says they went to the house of God and listen what happened. They ate some showbread. They ate some purpose. And if you want purpose for your life, and let me tell you something about purpose. Purpose is not a one-time thing. Because see, sometimes as you grow in the Lord, he'll change or not change. He redefines your purpose. See, at one point, I was a purpose business person in corporate world. Uh, listen, that's what God wanted me to do, and that's what I was doing, and that's where I was making a difference. But one day, he said, Evan, I don't want you to do that no more. So they came to the house of God, and they ate some purpose. And then it goes on to say, eating that showbread or purpose was not lawful for them to eat, neither for them who was with him. Why? Because the showbread in the temple was only for priests. But watch this though. Because see, the showbread, in the, in, when, it, when you went into the, the uh, temple, the showbread was sitting on a table in the sanctuary. And only the priests that were there who was ministering in the synagogue were able to eat that bread. So watch this. Unless you were a priest, you couldn't eat that purpose. But the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that we are a royal generation, a, a chosen generation, and a royal priesthood. 
So you know what God did? He said, Jesus, I want you to die for the people. And once Jesus died, watch this now, it officially caused us to become royal priesthood. So now we are able by definition and by position, we are royal priesthood, which now says you and I are eligible to eat showbread from the table in the sanctuary. But you got to show up to get some. So church, if you and I are a royal priesthood, Listen now, I'm about to hit you. Look look at your neighbor and say, he's coming down your street right now. If you and I are a royal priesthood, priests don't stay home to worship. Come on, everybody smile. I won't know who I'm talking to, right? Priests don't stay home to worship. They come to the house. Say amen to that. So the place that God has for you and I to discover our purpose is the house of God. And that's why the average person in life is stuck. Because they're not committed to coming and eat some purpose. So that leads us now to point number three as we get ready to close. Here's point number three. And that is God's house. Say God's house. God's house is the place where you can experience, watch this now, his manifested presence. Now, you say, well, God can show up in my house. He can. But see, there is a difference now. We're not just talking about the presence of God. We're talking about the glory of God. So watch this now. Because, see, what happens physically may not always happen when you are viewing digitally. I'm going to say that again. What happens physically may not always happen when you're viewing digitally because the glory of God can be experienced when we gather corporately. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 says this, And it came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one, that's the praise team, <clears throat> to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and let me just say this, this is why we use instruments here. Some of you all were raised in churches. Oh, don't play music. But you know what's amazing to me? They don't play music in church, but they do in the car. Just an observation. <laughs> he says, for, his, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Now, after that happened, it says that then, in other words, after they worshiped, after they praised, after they thanked him, after they lifted their voices, after the cymbals were playing, then the trumpets and the instruments and music, and as they all got on one accord, watch what happened. Then the house was filled with the cloud. Notice it says the house. Not your house. The house of the Lord. They made it real specific because somebody said, well, it didn't say the house of the Lord. We just read the rest of it. Then the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud. Watch this. To the point, verse 14 says that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. Watch this now. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. You might experience his presence at your house. But in his house, glory comes. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 7, 3, and we're getting ready to close right here. 2 Corinthians. I'm going to give you all some change today in your day. 
2 Corinthians 7, 3 says this. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the what class? Come on, church. The glory of the Lord upon the house. They bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and they worship and they praise the Lord for he is good and his mercy do it forever. In other words, the glory of God is designed to show up in his house. When we come to his house and we come with hearts of worship, hearts of thanksgiving, hearts of praise. See, you got to church, you got to come in with that. You say, well, what's the difference? Because if you don't come in with that, notice what it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and then come into his court with praise. That's something you bring, not the praise the team give to you. See, when we all come in with that, glory has to show up. But see, sometimes the glory has a hard time dropping on you because you didn't bring nothing with you but some problems. See, the New Testament church was birthed from a corporate gathering. Last week I showed you when the Bible says Jesus told him, I need, I need y'all to all be on one in one place. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came and it came as tongues of fire. And the scripture says it fell on all of them and they all begin to speak with tongues. Well, if it was not just about a corporate gathering, then everybody in Jerusalem would have got the tongues. Everybody didn't. Why? Because they weren't in the house where it happened. Now, let me say this, because some people, you know, they, they think differently, so let me help you. You know, because some people think that, you know, a pastor, well, let me just use me. I'm not going to say a pastor. I'll say Pastor Evan. I'm not teaching this because I need you to come back to church physically so you can give. Because our church gives anyway. Our church in 2020 gave better than we did in 2019 and I was preaching the chairs. Nobody was here. So I'm not teaching this so you can come back here and give. You're already giving. There's something bigger than giving. And let me just say this. Listen, you giving digitally is not a substitute for you not being here physically. Ooh. I'm going to put my hands in my pocket on that one. No, because see, some people think that he's, he's asking us to come to church. For that reason, no. You know why I'm asking you to come to church? Because God's asking you to come to church. And, and I believe, because there are several negative impacts that the COVID had on us. One, one of the things is that it did produce pandemic thinking in some people. To the point now where we think differently about some stuff that we didn't think the way before it. See, if you're thinking about leaving your marriage, pandemic thinking. Oh, 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 oh. Noah had global uh, uh, natural disaster thinking after the ark. 
oh, the first thing he did is that he worshiped. He built an altar in worship. But you know what else Noah did? Noah got drunk. Y'all remember that? <laughs> did you know that alcohol sales were at its highest during COVID-19? I know, I know. <laughs> Pastor, Jesus turned water into wine. I know he did. But he didn't buy it that way. He made it that way. Man, I'm, not, I'm not hating. I'm not hating. I'm not hating. I'm not hating. The Bible don't say it's wrong to drink. But we shouldn't be getting drunk. Listen, Noah got drunk and a whole lot of people got drunk during COVID. Because the alcohol said, you go and Google it. Alcohol said, way up here. Everybody said, that's pandemic thinking. Oh, no, no, listen, listen. Pandemic thinking has even changed some people's thought processes on just working. See, the government said they were helping by just throwing all this money out. And I'm not saying they didn't help. But listen, they threw a little bit out too much because now people are staying at home on an unemployment check that's more than what they would have made before they worked. I wouldn't go either. Can you come back? No. Go buy that. <laughs> I don't support any political candidates. No, they threw so much. Listen, do you, listen, drive today and see how many we need help signs that you see. But they not going to get no help. I know that's not good English. I went to college, graduated cum laude, but they ain't going to get no help until some of this unemployment running money run out. Pandemic thinking. Come on, somebody. So I believe, how do we apply this word today? Two things. Number one, Let's make a scriptural decision right now to start physically attending church. Listen, I don't want you to wait to after service to make the decision. And let me tell you something about making a decision. The scripture says in Philippians 4, I can do how many things? All things how? Through Christ who does what? Gives me the strength. So when you says I can do, the only way you and I are going to do something is that we have to make a decision to do it. Do you agree? So watch this. Christ is not going to give me strength until I've decided to do something. So we're not going to wait. You say, well, I'm going to wait. I'm not ready. I don't know. I don't know, Pastor. No. We have to make a scriptural decision because I just walked you through the, through the word. We know it's God's, uh, God's purpose for us to go to church. Make a scriptural decision right now. Say right now that you're going to start physically attending church. Here's the second thing we're going to do to apply this. Set a goal of starting with attending at least two Sundays and then work your way up. Because I know two Sundays, but some of y'all be like, oh, my God. Coming to church two, two Sundays in a row? Pastor, pray for me. <laughs> you know, pandemic thinking will take you through all these mental exercises to help you determine 
something that you already need, need, you know you need to do. So you know how you wake up in the morning and, and so now I'm talking about now making a decision to come to church and then set a goal, start with two and work your way up. You get up out of bed and be like, ooh, I don't know, I, I don't think I got enough time today, so. My pot roast not finished. I don't want to have to fight Junior to put on no clothes. Okay, well, we, 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 we just going, I'm going to worship online. But we, here's the thing, but we don't go through that exercise when it's time to go to work. If we are running late for work, ain't none of this, well, I don't know, maybe I'll call in, maybe I'll use my sick day, vacation day, but we don't do that, you know what we do? We get dressed fast, boy. And we in that car ain't took no bath. Ain't put no deodorant on. Forgot to comb my hair. You got one lash on and one lash off. Come on, church. You don't even think. You listen. It's, uh, well, well, listen. Why not prioritize coming to church? Here's what I believe as we close. I believe that what you make happen for God, God will make happen for you. What you prioritize that work, listen, let me say it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then what happens? All the things that you need shall be added to us. You know what? We don't have a need problem. We have a kingdom first problem. If you got somebody the word, give the Lord a hand clap if you would. So with every head bow, even if you're watching online, every head bow, every eye closed in the house, it's time to make some decisions. I mean, what's the use of coming to church if we're not going to make life-changing and quality decisions? So I want you right now, right there in your seat, right there at home, I want you to make a scriptural decision to start physically attending church. Come on, make it right now. Say in your heart. In fact, I'm going to say the prayer, and I just want you to agree with it. Father, as I've heard the word today, I know we've come out of a pandemic, and Lord, it's, it's changed my life. It's changed the way we've had to do things. I had to get used to wearing a mask. I had to get used to not going to work and working from home. I had to get used to my kids being at home, going to school. But Lord, I, I hear your word and I hear your speak, spirit speaking to me saying it, it's time to return to your house. So Lord, I'm asking for you to help me. But I know help's not going to be there at the level I need it until I decide I'm going to do that. So, Lord, I decide right now to start physically attending church again. Come on. Right there. Make that your prayer. And, Father, I thank you for the strength, the courage, the motivation, and the desire to do so. In Jesus' name. With every head still bowed. Here's my question to you. If you die today, 
are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Because if you're not 100% sure, I want to pray for you. I believe God has you watching, and I believe God has you in the house. Because one day, this life is going to end. And there's a longer life ahead of us. It's called eternal life. And the thing about living eternally, there are only two places you can live, and that's either heaven or hell, and both places are real. But the tragedy of that is you cannot make those decisions when you die. You have to make them while you're here. And maybe you're here in this house, or maybe you're watching me through the lens, and you're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. Well, I want to pray for you. And then there's some people who need to rededicate their lives. Here's what I mean by that. If your heart is not 100% surrendered unto the Lord, in other words, if, can he ask you to do anything and you'll do it? Is your life consistently in a posture? If your heart, is it, is it consistently in a posture where you say, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. If it's not, maybe you need to fully surrender your heart and recommit your life to him. And then there's some people watching me who need a church home. It's not just good enough to come. But the Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Maybe you need a church home. So before I pray, because I believe faith without works is dead. If you're watching me and you need salvation or you want to rededicate your life today, or if you want to join Word of Truth Family Church, I'm going to ask.